You're listening to a mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God, our trusty shield and Hello and welcome to another edition of a mighty fortress. I'm your host, Knight Jake. On today's episode, I want to talk about something that I think is very serious, and it's what I'm calling communion gluttony. Now, what is communion gluttony? Well, first, what is gluttony? Well, gluttony is basically the sin of eating for the sake of eating. Like, you don't need it, you're just gorging yourself, basically. It's it's sinful eating. So then, what is communion gluttony? Well, basically, communion gluttony is people that eat for the sake of eating. Communion gluttony is basically people who take Holy Communion for the sake of taking Holy Communion. Now, I want to preface this. Don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm going all pietist and saying, Oh no, people need to stop coming to Communion. We should only have Communion four times a year, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is people need to actually... Be serious when they take Holy Communion. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 that we need to examine ourselves before we partake of Communion. And we need to uh, recognize the Lord's body and blood in Communion. Martin Luther says in, in the Book of Concord, see in Luther's large catechism, Luther says that we do not intend to admit to the sacrament and to administer it to those who do not know what they seek or why they come. For these words, our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after the supper, gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Take and drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is poured out to you, for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Luther goes on. Here too we do not want to quarrel and dispute with those who despise and desecrate this sacrament. Instead, as in the case of baptism, we shall first learn what is of greatest importance, namely, that the chief thing is God's word and ordinance or command. It was not dreamed up or invented by some mere human being, but was instituted by Christ without anyone's counsel or deliberation. And Luther goes on and he talks about people drinking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. And so basically Luther says, what you need to do in order to come to Holy Communion, in order to receive it worthily, is you must know why you come and what you receive. And what is the answer to those two things? Why do you come to Holy Communion? You come because you are a sinner in need of the forgiveness of sins. And here, in this bread and in this wine, is Christ's very own true and real body and blood given, broken, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So why do you come and what do you receive? You come because you are a sinner needing the forgiveness of sins and what you receive is Christ's body and blood in with and under bread given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you if you know that, then come for all is ready for you. Come receive the Lord's Supper. Do not despise it. Do not desecrate it. Do not 
withhold yourself from receiving it. For if you know you are a sinner and you know that there is your salvation, there is the forgiveness of your sins, you should run to the Lord's Supper and do not let anyone stop you. But for those who do not know why they come or what they receive, for those who aren't repentant, for those who do not seek the forgiveness of sins. For those who do not believe that this is the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ given and shed for them, well, we know from Scripture that they drink it unworthily and they drink it to their own judgment and to their own condemnation. Therefore, they should not be welcome at the Lord's Supper. As Luther said in the large catechism, we do not wish to give it to them. We do not wish to admit them to the Lord's table. We do we withhold Holy Communion from these people because they do not know why they come or what they receive. And those who come and receive it simply for the sake of receiving it, when they do not know what they receive and they do not know why they come, then this is communion gluttony. This is eating and drinking the Lord's Supper for the sake of eating and drinking it. This is what the Catholics did. This is treating the Lord's Supper ex opere operato. That is, by the operating of the operation, or even easier to understand, by the mere act of doing. Catholics believe that by simply receiving the Lord's Supper, regardless of their faith, regardless of their repentance, they still receive the benefits of the Lord's Supper. And we know from Scripture that that is just not true. The sacraments require faith and repentance. In regards to baptism, we're told in Mark that he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will not be saved. You can be baptized, but if you don't believe, it's of no benefit to you. And we know from Jesus that he said, repent or perish. And we're told that we should be baptized for the repentance of sins. When Peter is asked in the book of Acts, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. If you aren't repentant, if you aren't sorry for your sins, then there is no forgiveness for you because you have denied and rejected the gift of forgiveness. And I want to stress the part when I say this, that repentance is not necessarily a mental thinking of your sins or even a verbal confession of your sins. According to the Oldsburg Confession, true repentance is a terror of soul, a contrition of heart, that you feel the weight of your sins weighing you down. You don't need to verbally express it or even mentally think it. But if in your very heart and soul and spirit, you can feel contrition over sins, that is repentance. And if you have neither faith nor repentance, that is, you have neither belief nor contrition, then the sacraments are of no benefit to you. They do not work by the mere act of receiving them. Baptism doesn't save you if you just get the water but you don't believe. You know, baptism is valid regardless of whether you believe or not. Like, you will still be baptised. And the same go for the Lord's Supper. Whether you believe it or not, you are still receiving the Lord's body and blood given to you for the forgiveness of your sins. However, if you do not believe it, and if you are not repentant, then it is of no value to you. It is not efficacious. And as even Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it is actually to your judgment. The Lord's Supper is the greatest medicine to those who believe and receive it in faith. 
but it is also the greatest poison to those who do not receive it in faith. This is why the Lutheran Church, how let me correct that, this is why the Christian Church throughout all ages has practiced closed communion. For we are not to give communion to those who would drink it to their damnation. For we should not knowingly give poison to people. And pastors who are called the stewards of the mysteries of God. That is, they are the stewards, the caretakers of God's sacraments. They are to take care of the sacraments in a worthy, responsible manner. They are not to willy-nilly and carelessly give out Holy Communion to whoever comes up to the table. They should actually know who they're giving it to. This is why pastors need to actually speak with their communicants. This is why communicants should actually probably announce themselves before service to let pastors know they're coming to Holy Communion. This is why we have confirmation. And this is why we should have a reconfirmation each year. I don't know what you call it, but like Luther and Chemnitz and Walther had this idea of having a re-examination. I forget which one of them. One of them made this big point about saying that we should examine. It was either Luther or Chemnitz. And then I think it was Walther who later said once a year would be sufficient. We don't need to sit our communicants down each week and examine them over, you know, what they believe in order to give them Holy Communion. Walther's like, hey, we give them confirmation, but confirmation isn't a lifelong thing. You don't get confirmed when you're 13 and then you're good for the rest of your life. What if when you're 13 you actually believe the right thing, but because you haven't been taught correctly for the next 20 years, when you're in your 30s, you believe the wrong thing. Then you come to Holy Communion and you receive it to your damnation. That is not good sacramental practice. That is not good pastoral practice. Pastors need to talk with their members. And this isn't law. This is gospel. This is the pastor sitting down with his member and saying, Hey, this is what the Lord's Supper is for. This is the gift that you're about to receive. I want to make sure that for the sake of your own soul, you understand what you're receiving. And, you know, sometimes people may have questions about the Lord's Supper, but they're not, they don't have the confidence to go and ask pastor. They don't want to let people know that they're struggling with this. They don't want people to know that they don't really understand the Lord's Supper. And so they keep their mouth shut. But if the pastor actually comes to them and sits down with them every so often and says, hey, can we talk about the Lord's Supper? What do you actually believe by that? You know, maybe there's a few things that you don't understand. Maybe there's some things I can, I can sort out for you. We can fix a few issues. You know, then this person can actually learn the true doctrine regarding the Lord's Supper and they don't have to feel kind of ashamed that they didn't understand it. They don't have to feel bad and they don't have to feel embarrassed. Instead, pastor can just come to them and say, hey, let's talk about it. You know, what do, what do you think the Lord's Supper is? And then the person can say what they think it is and pastor can say, well, that's good. I'm glad that you understand this properly. You know, that, that's good. Or you can say, actually... Um, just, I want to correct you on, on something you said there. See, you said that it represents, but you do understand that is means is, and that it is the actual real presence of Jesus' body and blood there. And this isn't law, this is gospel. And so pastors need to examine them. And the examination doesn't need to be daunting either. 
Like, like people shouldn't be fearful of sit down and go, oh no, what if I get that wrong? What if I say something incorrectly? Hey, the pastor is not some kind of, you know, judge. He's a shepherd. He's here to guide you. If you get something wrong, he's not going to rebuke you and haul you over the fires or drag you before the congregation. His job is to correct you gently, to lead you into the truth. If you get something wrong, then the pastor can just correct you and say, um, actually, um, it's not represent, it is, it is means is. You know, th this doesn't have to be a daunting thing to have like a re-examination at least once a year. And like, like I said, the examination is simple. See, what does the Book of Concord say? Well, the Book of Concord says two things regarding what we need to know for the Lord's Supper. In one part of the Book of Concord, it says that while people should have an in-depth knowledge of theology, it is sufficient that people know the three chief parts of the Catechism. That is, people know the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, and the Ten Commandments. If they know that, then that's sufficient knowledge. Luther also says that those who come to Holy Communion should know what they receive and why they're coming. So basically, you've got five questions to ask somebody. If somebody comes and you sit them down for the re-examination, you say, Okay, lay person, Bob, um, what is the law of God? You know, what is the Ten Commandments? And they rattle off the Ten Commandments. You say, now what is the faith that we confess? And they rattle off the Apostles' Creed. Nicene Creed if they want. If they're really good, they can go for the Athanasian Creed. But, you know, most people don't know that off by heart. <laughs> and then you go, okay, and what is the prayer that our Lord taught us? Most people should know the Lord's Prayer. I mean, we say the Lord's Prayer and the creeds each Sunday. I wish we'd also include, like, the Ten Commandments each Sunday into the liturgy too, just so people can learn them. But... You know, people should know these three parts. And then you just say to your parishioner, Okay, so why do you come to Holy Communion? And the answer should be something along the lines of, Because I'm a sinner in need of the forgiveness of sins, and I know that that's where I get it. And you say, well, what do you receive in Holy Communion? And they say, the true body and blood of Christ, in with another under the bread and wine, given and shed for me for the forgiveness of my sins. And if the lay people say that to me, I say, bravo, well done. That's all you need to know. Come to Holy Communion. Let's go have Holy Communion right now. The whole point I'm trying to get at is that we need to start taking Holy Communion more seriously. In many Lutheran churches, especially here in Australia, it's just open communion. Anybody just comes up and the pastors don't even bother to check who's coming up. There are people probably coming up and don't even know what's happening. This is a story from one of my own personal experiences. And this was back when I was at seminary. And there was a friend that came along with us. And I forget how many of us there was. Roughly about like eight of us. We were going to like, uh, it was an evening service. I think for like Easter some, something. I, I can't remember exactly what service it was. But it was a communion service. And so about eight of us went as a group. And one of our friends who's come with us. Now he either was an atheist or he's like a former atheist, he's only just new to the faith, he doesn't really know anything. Point is, he's not a Lutheran. He hasn't gone through catechetical studies, he hasn't been confirmed, he may have been baptised as a kid, I can't remember all the details of his life, but the point was, he wasn't confirmed, he wasn't a Lutheran, he wasn't a member of the Lutheran Church. And he came with us. 
and beforehand he asked, actually asked me about coming up to the Lord's Supper. And I said to him, well, since you don't understand it and you don't know what's going on, it's probably best for you to just not come up. And again, this isn't me trying to be, oh, law, no, you're not allowed to come up until you've ticked all the boxes. No, it's, it's gospel saying, hey, this is a serious sacrament. It is a great medicine for your soul if you believe, but it's a great poison for your soul if you don't. So unless you actually truly know what you're receiving, I would say stay in your seat, don't come up. And now guess what happened? It got to communion, and seven of us stood up, and then the eighth stood up. Now if you don't understand what I'm talking about, there was seven people who were members of the Lutheran Church and one person who wasn't. And when we all stood up, he just came up with us. Why? Because of peer pressure. Because of everybody's doing it, I should be up there too. Why? Well, I don't know what's going on, but if everyone else is taking communion, I'm going to go up. He doesn't know what he was doing. He doesn't understand what the communion is. That was seriously damaging for his soul, and yet he came up simply because everyone else came up. Now, if I think about this, maybe I could have you know, talk to him a bit more. Maybe I could have even sat in the seat with him and just, you know, me missed out on communion one Sunday. And I mean, that's not a, that's not a problem. I mean, like, we need to remember that communion is a gift, not a work. We, we shouldn't treat Holy Communion like an idol that like, oh, you better get it every Sunday, otherwise you're going to hell. Again, that's like how the Catholics understood it, that you had to get it because it was like getting some special merit. And they're like, Oh no, I missed communion one week, so my, my, my merit meter's down, so I need to go and have communion again to get that meter back up. That's, that's not how we treat communion in the Lutheran Church. It's a gift. And if I miss it one week, well then I miss it one week. I can get it next week. Or if I'm super worried, I can go and talk to pastor after service and say, Hey pastor, this is why I didn't come up. I had this friend... And I didn't want him to feel, like, left out. I didn't want him to feel embarrassed because he wasn't coming up for communion. So I decided to, to just sit with him and not get communion at the service. But, you know, my own soul kind of... I'm feeling the burden of my sin and I would like to have communion. So can we have a private communion now? You know, I have the ability to go to a pastor any time to get communion if I wanted. So I could have missed it that once if it meant helping that brother of Christ come to a better understanding of the sacrament. You know, there's this, there's this Hebrew principle called soul saving. This is what Jesus refers to in the Gospels when he talks about the Pharisees saving lives on the Sabbath day. Because the, the, the Jews have a principle. It's called soul saving. It's not even life saving. It's soul saving. The principle was that it was okay to break the Sabbath if it meant you saved someone's life so that they could keep another Sabbath another day. So in other words, it was better to break the Sabbath so that you could help someone else keep a Sabbath, in other words. And so, yeah, Jesus tells me to come in to the Lord's Supper, but it's probably, in this case, it's a soul-saving thing. It would be okay for you to miss communion once if it meant helping someone else come to the faith. You know, and this is the thing about Holy Communion. We shouldn't just eat because of the sake of eating. You know, the Lutherans had this idea, and I've heard uh, Will Whedon talk about this on Issues Etc., where the, the Lutherans had this thing where they offered the Lord's Supper every Sunday and every feast day. But 
Luther and them never expected people to come every Sunday. Because Luther wanted you to actually be properly prepared when you come. That you actually confess your sins. That you think about it. That you go to private confession. You, you verbally confess certain sins that you're struggling with. You get absolution. And then you go to church on Sunday and you receive that Lord's body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, Luther had this point of God. People need to take the Lord's Supper seriously. And they shouldn't just come up willy-nilly and not think about it. It's like people that say the Lord's Prayer when we don't think about it. And yes, we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of just mumbling the Lord's Prayer off by heart, not even thinking about what we're saying. There's a story that Luther tells where he was talking with one of his fellow friends where he said, I will give you my, a, a brand new horse if you can say the Lord's Prayer without your mind drifting onto anything else. And the man started praying the Lord's Prayer. He got halfway through and he thought to himself, I wonder if I'll get a saddle with that horse as well. You know, that man couldn't even keep his mind on the Lord's Prayer without thinking about the horse. And this is the point Luther was making. We're all guilty of this, where we, we just, our minds drift when we're thinking about, when we're praying the Lord's Prayer. But we shouldn't do that. We should try hard to actually say the Lord's Prayer and focus on what we're saying. And the same principle applies with the Lord's Supper. If we're going to go to the Lord's Supper, we should know why we come and what we receive. We should actually be thinking about it. We shouldn't just be going through the motions and getting up there and sipping some wine and eating some bread. Not in that order, but you know what I mean. It, you know, without thinking about it. We should actually come to the Lord's Supper solemnly, repentantly, reverently going, I am a sinner. Lord, forgive me. And then you take that bread, you take that wine, and in and with it and under it, you receive the Lord's body and blood given to you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you go, Amen. I am forgiven. What a blessing and gift this is. You know, and I mean, I know how hard it is to actually think that way every Sunday. But what I'm saying is we should try. And I'm not saying don't come to Lord's Supper. I'm not saying despise the Lord's Supper. Don't, don't, don't take me as if I'm saying we all need to be pious as we're like, oh, we can only come to the Lord's Supper a few times a year. Come to the Lord's Supper. But please, for the love of your own soul, think about what you're doing. You know, there was one Lord's Supper when I was at seminary. And today, this is still the most... I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say base everything on feelings, but basically this is the the one time that I just absolutely felt the Lord's Supper hit me the most. We were at seminary, and was that at one of our retreat days? And we were having the afternoon um, communion service. And Pastor Adam Hensley was preaching. And now I can't remember exactly what he preached, but his words just made me sit up, and take notice. They made me think about what I was receiving in the Lord's Supper. I took communion that day. And I wasn't crying, but I could feel kind of my eyes getting watery. I could feel the tears welling in my eyes. And not tears of sadness, but tears of relief, of joy, of appreciation. That in this Bread and in this wine, I'm getting the Lord's body and blood, forgiving my sins. What a joy that is. 
And we should actually be thinking about this, acknowledging that I am a wretched sinner. And here, in the Lord's Supper, I get the forgiveness of those sins. The reality of this is mind-blowing. When you actually think about how rotten a person you are, you should be stricken in fear and terror over your sins. You should be saddened. You should be crushed. And then when you receive that sacrament, you should have that burden lifted off of you. And you should just be so overwhelmed with joy and happiness that every one of us should just burst into tears and thanks and praise of what God has done for us. This truly is an amazing gift. And so I'm begging people to treat this gift with the respect and with the reverence and with the seriousness that it deserves. Because you are a sinner, but Jesus died for you, and he shed his body and blood for you, and he is giving that very same body and blood to you in bread and wine for the forgiveness of those sins that you have committed. Like, I don't know what each one of you have done, but the truth is each one of you are a rotten sinner. Each one of you are deserving of hell. Each one of you is an absolutely terrible person. Just admit it. That is the truth. But all of that is forgiven and washed away by the body and blood of Jesus. And it's given to you in bread and wine in Holy Communion. It is so simple. Eat. Drink. This is my body. This is my blood. Given. Broken. Shed for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. It's an amazing gift. And so when you come to Holy Communion, think about it. Know why you come. Know what you receive. Don't just eat for the sake of eating. Don't just eat because that's what you've done every Sunday. Don't just eat because everyone else is eating it. Eat because you are a sinner in need of that forgiveness. And here is the forgiveness given for you. With that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Um, I don't really know what to say. I just want to point out that I'm not trying to be a pietist. I'm not telling people that they should disregard or despise or be afraid of the Lord's body and blood. Don't be. I mean, if you're worried that you're eating and drinking of the Lord's body and blood unworthily, then go to your pastor. Talk to him. Have him reassure you that unworthiness is only when you pridefully and proudly and selfishly come into the Lord's Supper irreverently, not knowing why you come or what you receive. That is unworthy reception. But if you come to the Lord's Supper knowing that you are a sinner, feeling that you are unworthy, then you are worthy. I mean, this is the funny thing of the Lord's Supper. If you think you're worthy, you're probably not. But if you think you're unworthy, you probably are worthy. You think of yourself as a poor, broken, unworthy sinner. You don't think you're good enough to receive the Lord's body and blood. And guess what? You're exactly the person that Jesus died for. You know what Jesus says? The healthy do not need a doctor. Instead, the doctor comes for the sick. So Jesus came not to die for the righteous, but for the unrighteous, for the sinners. So if you know that you are a sinner, then you are actually the person Jesus died for, and you are the one that he is giving the Lord's Supper to. So you should come. 
and take and eat and take and drink, for that is the Lord's body and blood given for you. Goodbye. God bless. I've been your host, Night Jake.